and welcome to another episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X in the beautiful studio at the Sinesta Hotel. I'm Al Simon, your host, with Sandler Training by Simon Inc. And I've got three great guests today. I'm looking forward to this show. It's going to be exciting. We are going to spotlight professionals and the excellent companies they represent. We're going to discuss best practices in business today. So, listeners, listen carefully. Have a notepad and pen out because you're going to want to take some notes and you're going to want to maybe contact these folks because they've got good stuff. Today with me, uh, Stephanie Sokinis, the uh, president and founder of Small Business Ally. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, Al. Thank you. And we also have Joe Morrison, business development expert. Yes, sir. With Adams Keegan. Looking forward to hearing from you, Joe. And then uh, our third guest is Brandon Lisi, the uh, partner with Object 9. Hey, Brandon. Good to be here this afternoon with you, Al. Good to have everybody here. This is going to be a great show. We're going to be excited to talk about business today. We're going to talk about how to do business well, and not only normally, but also in whatever kind of normal we are sort of maybe in at the moment, whatever that looks like. And uh, and so, Stephanie, we're going to start with you. We're going to talk about small businesses today. Stephanie is the president and founder of Small Business Ally. You've got great stuff for uh, startups, entrepreneurs, small businesses, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. Why don't you tell us, Stephanie, first, how would you happen to get from wherever you were to where you are now? Well, I, I saw a need I, that I, I really felt I wanted to fill. I have a huge passion for small businesses. used to be a small business owner myself in a past life. Um, knew all the struggles of it. Learned the hard way. Uh, learned by mistake, which sometimes isn't the te- worst thing in the world. And just really felt there was a, a need out there to help a small business get started properly, most important, but have some strategy behind growing well. You know, you said learn by mistake, and, and don't we all? You know, and we, in fact, we say that you, you don't learn to win uh, when it's easy. You learn to win by failing. Uh, but it would sure be nice uh, for our listeners to be able to pick up some, some great tips today from you and from Joe and Brandon, and so they don't make as many mistakes. How about that? Sounds perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> Stephanie, now you do uh, consulting work, right, for small businesses and, and entrepreneurs and startups. Tell us about how you do that. Well, we, we work with a small business, whether they're in the entrepreneur stage, a pre-venture stage, or they're up and going and don't know what to do next, um, and everything in between. And what we try to do is we try to explain it to them as they have X amount of dollars to spend to get their business up, running, growing, and a lot of people are doing this without any strategy behind what they're doing. So rather than just throwing money after money, we really want them to actually know where they want to be, and we're going to give them a roadmap to get there so that every dollar they spend means something and matters. So we coach them through that, through different plans and programs that we put in place. Yeah, so my, my experience with entrepreneur, entrepreneurs starting out is that, you know, they've got some kind of a product or great idea, and they're focusing on that, and they somehow come to think it's going to sell itself, and they don't think about structure, they don't think about marketing, they don't think about anything but the product or service that is a great idea, right? And you help them, right. you help them navigate those waters, huh? Yes, that's what we try to do. We try to we try to make sure that they're thinking about all the right things. Um, a lot of people will come to us and say they've, you know, got a great logo or they picked the name already, and that really isn't the place to start. They haven't really thought through if they've got the strengths and weaknesses to create a business, even be a business owner. A lot of people are starting businesses for the wrong reasons. A lot we're finding that a lot now. Are you? You really? might lose your job and decide you want to do it, or 
don't want to work for a big corporation anymore and you can do it on your own and people just sometimes they don't realize how many hats they actually have to wear outside of the skill set of that business in order to run a business effectively yes and i want to get into the different uh, programs you have but before we do that you mentioned that they you know people are looking to start businesses now is this a good time or not a good time during the pandemic i'm 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 a dreamer and so I, I believe that there's always a good, it's always a good time. I don't see any shortage of people starting businesses and interested in starting businesses. Um, I also don't see a shortage of people not being ready to do so. So it's, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a great time to, to start a business, but the same rules apply. The, nothing's changed as far as whether or not you should. There's still a right way to do it, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so you've got developed... I'm sorry, develop my small biz, launch my small biz, and grow my small biz, right? So tell us how, uh, what that progression looks like and how you help your, your clients. Well, I, I really found um, one of the biggest problems was any help or any coaching or assistance always started with the start my small biz area. And people kept missing that stage of developing the idea. And I think that's such a huge part of someone starting with the best chance of success. So we've created three programs um, that work really well. And the first one is to develop your small business. And that's somebody who has an idea and they want to start a business and they're basically saying, what do I do next? So you're going to talk about your self-assessment, strengths and weaknesses, really make sure that you are a good fit for starting a business. Make sure that the business that you're starting is good for you. Um, case in point, I've had a mom and pop come to me they had experience in janitorial services and decided they want to start a restaurant. You have to make sure that everything aligns properly. The next phase we have is our launch a business, start a business phase, and that's you're ready, your concept has been proven, you're ready to go, your focus groups have been done, your education's in place, you know you've got the skills and the talent, and you've got the, the endurance to do this. Now we're going to get you licensed. So now we're going to walk through all types of things, your your business plan, your goals, your networking and collaboration opportunities out there. We're going to talk you through all the stages you need to do that. Oh, my goodness. Course, That's a lot sorry, of stuff. <laughs> I remember 19 years ago. It's a lot of stuff. I could have used you back then. And, and think about that. Think about when you started your business. I know I do from years ago. Don't you wish you had these things in place before you pulled the trigger on the business? Oh, Yes. I mean, could you imagine not having to go backwards every time and say, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to really empower small businesses to do it themselves and not have to pay the, the fee or the penalty or the fines after the fact. Oh, my goodness. I remember I, I did a business plan back in 2001, and, um, and it was so far off as it turned out. I could have really used someone like you to walk me through and do it much better. I was not ready. <laughs> I, th I think what we what I love the most about it is is we're not we're, we're not holding your hand we're not we're not coddling you we're teaching you and helping you and empowering you and working with you for you to do it because if you are able to walk through these steps you are become you are really becoming your best source of information to run your business you need to be involved in these stages you can't have someone do it for you so that's why it's so important that you get this done you know, okay. we talk about budgets and financial management, knowing all these things that you need to do. And the third phase, of course, is growing and, and scaling your business. How do you grow it? Now that you're open, 
you've got everything in place, you've got all your, your, all your, all your ducks in a row, but now what? Why am I not growing? Why are people not flocking to my door? Why is my Facebook ad not working? This is where you start putting your strategy in place and talk about organizational effectiveness and make sure you've got the right team behind you and oh, your yeah. financial management set. Brandon, you've done this several, several times, right? You got a comment about this? Well, I think one the point I wanted to make was it's one of the reasons that so many people right now, you see, if they are investing, they're looking at starting into, they're buying into franchise concepts because a lot of this stuff has been mapped out for them, right? Yeah. There is a playbook. There's an operations manual. The product mix is figured out. There's at least, with a lot of franchises, there's some kind of framework for marketing or a playbook, so right. to speak. So I think it takes a lot of the guesswork out, but I think her point is still right on. you got to make sure you're the have a cultural and operational fit as well as yes. franchise being a financial even if fit. you have a franchise yeah exactly yeah so yeah. i mean i think there's a lot to be said for what she's talking about and that's why a lot of people are looking at that as an alternative to starting from scratch absolutely there's a couple of, there's no one way to do it certainly you can do it both ways but i think that's what makes that appealing but you know the cool thing about it, Stephanie, I love what you do because you know because it's so personal and entrepreneurship is so personal, isn't it? It's just it's, there's such passion that goes around it. And I think Brandon has a has a, a great point with that. I mean, that's these are conversations we have with people. I mean, maybe they they do want to be a business owner, but where they lack, it might be a perfect opportunity for them to take on a franchise opportunity. Where those things where they are lacking and don't want to be involved, that might be something that would be a strong. A strong solution for them. Yes, yeah, but even so, you, you, you know, the franchise is going to probably give you um, some guidelines there, but it's still going to be, you know, their point of view. And I think it's going to be great to have a consultant like yourself, who comes from a completely different perspective to help. In fact, you work with Score, don't you? Tell us about Score. I do. Yes, actually, I oddly enough, about a month prior to COVID hitting. Um, and shutting us down, I, I took on an opportunity to become a certified SCORE mentor so that I was able to give back a little bit to some of these pre-venture individuals who are looking to start and trying to work through some of these these pain points but couldn't really sign on to a 12 or 14 week type program. So I really wanted to be able to help and I, I've always been a big proponent of SCORE. And if you're not familiar with them, um, they are a national organization, they are a resource partner to the U.S. Small Business Administration. They provide um, some some small business consulting for free. Great team out, out here in the North Metro Atlanta area. Yeah, there really is. That, involved, yeah, just phenomenal. I mean, I, I say not all chapters are created equally, and they just are fantastic here in this area. And I signed on, and, you know, look what happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's I your fault. Okay. Now we know. Yeah. I'd like to, if I can, chime in. I just want to say, when we started our business back in 92, uh, we went to SCORE. Did you? Uh, we got connected with the uh, people through the uh, Baton Rouge Area Chamber of Commerce, which is where we started. Oh, wow. And I remember very vividly the man sitting there talking to me saying, you know, son, I don't even understand what it is that you're trying to do. Your business can go or be you know, guided by vision, but it's going to thrive on cash flow. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I've used that phrase so many times in my life because it's true. Thrive on, I bet, Stephanie, that's got to be a part of your programs, right? Is that cash flow issue? It is. It is. I mean, that's, that's the, first, the first question we get. What a lot of the people I mentor with SCORE also have that question is, you know, where's the free money? Mm-hmm. There is none. <laughs> really, there is none. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, St- absolutely. Stephanie, uh, in fact, you, you – 
you mentioned to me that, that you have virtual assistants on your team. I'm not sure exactly what you mean by that. Can you tell our listeners what you mean by virtual assistants and what they do? Well, we're, we're trying to be a resource hub for everyone. So what we've done is we've partnered with a lot of really well-qualified expert virtual assistants from all over the country to help small businesses as well. So if you need some database management or just some small task work, so you don't have to go out and hire a full-time employee and just need some things to get you up and going, we've got some great partners that we partner with. And a lot of these people are, are uh, males and females that are just home. Um, they might have to be have decided they need to work from home because of childcare situations, but they are all extremely talented, um, experts in their fields. And it just provides an opportunity for some contract work that we're able to give to our clients. Okay. And you're also looking for speakers, did you say? I'm sorry? You're looking for speakers as well? Yes. So we also provide um, two organizations. So we did the, um, actually, you remember because you were one of our speakers for it, for the, we did an Empowering Entrepreneurs Conference for cool. Fulton County great government. conference. That was a great conference. Fantastic event. Yeah. And we do things like that for organizations that are just looking for some turnkey programs to come in. We do webinars, yes. half-day boot camps, full-day conferences like that. And we've got really an arsenal of phenomenal speakers. Um, again, yourself included was, was there. So we invite speakers to go ahead and fill our speaker application out. So we have our subject matter experts ready to go for those things. Okay. So mm -hmm. let me recap if, if, you, if, if we can here. You've got great services to help entrepreneurs and small business owners to uh, to develop, launch, and grow their business. You've got opportunities for people who can do tasks for small businesses to join your team, uh, even part-time. And you've got the opportunity for speakers to join your group of SMEs to help in some workshops. Did I get all that right? That's it. That's okay. it. So there's got to be a place that people can go to connect with you. What's the best place, Stephanie? Yes, all of this is on our website. Um, I invite you to go there. It's Small Biz. B I Z L I A L L Y dot com. Okay, that's S M A L L B I Z A L L Y dot com. That's correct. That's great. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. This is, you just do terrific work for people, and businesses can start and they can thrive if they use your help. So, once again, yes. this is Al Simon with. Sandler Training, and then the show is Simon Says, Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. And our first guest has been Stephanie Sokinis with Small Business Ally and a great resource for you uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and people who just have a great idea and they're wondering if they can make it into a company. Get in touch with Stephanie. Thanks okay. so much, Al. You are welcome. Hey, are you going to hang in here with us and as we talk to Joe and Brandon? Absolutely. Wouldn't miss it. Okay. So, hey, Joe. Good morning. Morning, Joe Morrison, business development with Adams Keegan, which is a leading national provider, right, of of uh, HR services. Joe, welcome. Tell us about uh, about Adams Keegan and what in the world is a PEO? What it is? Well, I'm not sure I have the radio voice like Brandon, but I'll do my best impression. Just kind of go low. <laughs> I'll go low with it. Um, yeah. So we are a uh, outsourced HR company. We provide HR services payroll tax administration, employee benefits, and benefits administration. And we contract with our clients in a couple of different ways. Uh, one is a PEO, and the other is an ASO solution. Um, okay, now you're using too many acronyms. I know. Uh, uh, you're going to have to explain that stuff. I will. Okay. <laughs> uh, PEO, as you already asked, is a professional employer organization. 
Um, It's a co-employment relationship. And uh, most people have never heard of a PEO unless you work for a PEO or you use a PEO in your business. Um, And even employees that use a a PEO in their business a lot of times don't even realize it. The only way they would is is they see it on their W-2 that it says Adams Keegan on their W-2 because we're doing all their payroll taxes and so forth. Okay. Um, But what it is, it's the offloading or outsourcing of the non-income producing activities of your business. So we become the administrative uh, employer. While you you maintain worksite uh, responsibility of your employees, so you still you still own the business, run the business, direct, supervise, and control your employees. Okay. Uh, but for the purposes of payroll taxes, FICA, FUDA, SUDA, all those type of activities, yes, uh, become our responsibility. Okay. So we're not taking away your business from you. We're just allowing you the opportunity to to spend more time doing the things that. Uh, the reason you went into business. Okay, this, um, so this is like a, w- a way to 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 reduce HR expenses, right? If you're yeah. a small business. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, and and it's uh, really our job is just to take those things off your hands. And as a, as a especially a new entrepreneur, uh, seventy eighty hours a week um, on your business. Well, what's the best use of your time? <laughs> is it the administrative burden, nightmares, wage garnishments, unemployment claims, these type of things, or is it uh, sales. The sales. answer is sales. sales right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to the sales master over Al Simon. That was, that was a. Uh, I set that one up for you. I wanted you to say S word. Yes, that's right. Very good. Sales. That's right. Yeah. I don't want to spend a lot of time on my payroll and taxes and right. paperwork and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Government reporting. I don't want to do that. Exactly. You take that off my plate. Exactly. Awesome. And this is a way for businesses that, that share in services. Right. That you can. You, they can outsource to you. Yeah. So we we uh, we have a, a, a suite of. Of benefit plans that employers can just kind of plug and play. Um, so we have our whole host of uh, voluntary ancillary benefits that Delta Dental, VSP Vision, Unum Life, Disability, a 401k, fuck spending account, all these type of things that is we call the cafeteria okay. of Adams Keegan. So uh, you have access to these different plans. Uh, as, and as a small employer, you might not get the same rates that we get um, since we have thousands of employees on our plans. Okay. That makes sense. So it's kind of a, a plug-and-play uh, type deal. And it okay. just makes it really turnkey. Um, you, you don't have to contribute to these plans. If you don't want to, you can if you want to as well. So okay. it's just a great And Adams Keegan does this all over the world, right? Uh, no, just domestic. So we so have – All over the country. All over the country. And you're the Atlanta – what, Orlando region or what? Yeah, okay. so we have, uh, we have offices um, – Four offices in Memphis, Nashville, Dallas, and Atlanta. Okay. Um, but we have clients in all 50 states. And the main reason for that, and that's important as a PEO because you have to keep up with all the tax laws and regulations of each state. I imagine. So California and New York have really strict laws. Typically, if you're, if you're uh, in, in, in code with New York, you're probably in code with a lot of other places. Okay. Um, but it's important because PEOs can be regional at times where they only – um, have employees in a couple states. Right. Um, but we have a couple large hospitality accounts that are up to 7,500 8, 7, or 8,000 employees that are all over the country. Okay. Um, so it requires us to... So that's not just a small business. You go up pretty high in terms yeah. of... Okay. And, but that's, so, so that's the other uh, contractual r- relationship that we go into is called ASO. Yeah. Um, and so the difference is a PEO typically is for companies less than 100 employees okay um and that's just because there's kind of this tipping point in a company where you decide to bring those 
outsourced activities back in house just because it doesn't make sense to keep the PEO can get expensive the more employees you have. That makes sense. It does. So at some point, from a financial standpoint, just let's just bring this all in house. Um, but our ASO option brings the price point down, and it's just basically a pay for service. So you're, you're leveraging you're leveraging our great technology that that is uh, our proprietary technology that we we made the strategic decision about 20 years ago to build it and not license it from a third party. Okay. And what that allows us to do, especially for our large hospitality and senior living and restaurant groups is we can uh, integrate with a lot of third-party systems that they use, and it's industry-specific, whatever is a point-of-sale system in a restaurant or a a hotel management system uh, that uh, has back-end integration into our payroll system. Okay. So it's it's a really great – we kind of – when people ask us what our clientele is, it's it's, um, employees less than 100 and then large verticals of those kind of different industries. Okay. And at some point, employers less than at some point they might consider an ASO as right. opposed to a PEO depending on their size and complexity. Yeah. And so the, one other thing about the difference between PEO is you are now on our tax ID. So you are on our pseudo rates. Um, oh, and yeah. so a lot of times it, I, I come from a background of uh, consulting. I worked for KPMG. And so as a, I do, I'm in sales but I take more of a consultative approach to sales. So um, I'll go talk to a business owner and uh, look at how his HR is currently set up. If he's paying Suda, what, is he on a worker's comp plan? And then I'll compare his rates to my rates and say, okay, you're, you're PEO all the way. Or no, no, st- you stay on your tax ID, stay on your Suda rates, stay okay. on your worker's comp plan. We're going to put you in ASO. You still get uh, our great technology. You still get a- access to all of our benefits. You still come on to our benefit plans, voluntary, dental, vision, life. Um, but for reporting purposes, it's on you. Okay. So you, you come into a, a company that wants to check out whether or not they should use your services, and you really take a look at everything that's going on, and then you recommend a certain level yeah. of service, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And a lot of times, yeah. out, not every P, not my PEO is not going to be perfect for every company. But your company, there's a PEO out there that's perfect for you. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, some some PEOs focus in certain industries or more tech driven or more manufacturing driven, um, and so it just kind of depends. And and I will be and we like to have long term prosperous win win relationships. Otherwise, it's not going to be a very long term relationship. <laughs> yes. Um, and it's much easier to keep clients than get new ones, as you know. Um, yep. So if it's not going to be a, a fortuitous relationship for both of us, then we just, I'll, I'll recommend you one place or another. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how have things uh, changed for you in this, uh, in the midst of this COVID pandemic? Man, it's, it's been really crazy. Um, but I think in our industry, it's, it's provided a, a really unique and opportunity to showcase our expertise. Okay. Um, I think that's been the silver lining of this, this whole thing. I mean, as horrible as it is, uh, companies are looking for help anywhere they can find it. We've been hosting webinars every Friday for the last six weeks of just, I mean, we've gotten questions from clients, prospects, people in the community, and we've been, we've been taking on all these questions, questions not just from our clients. And uh, the first couple of weeks, we did webinars just for clients, then we kind of opened it up to the community. Did you? Um, just as like, we're all in this t- kind of together yeah. right now. I mean, this yeah. is, um, so. That's very generous of you to do that. So I'm sure they're looking for advice like on the PPP, the CARES Act. Exactly. Just, okay, yeah. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, I mean, so questions that we've been re- receiving have been geared towards the loan forgiveness. Oh, yeah. The considerations and calculations that go into that, um, the covered and choice periods. I mean, how do you calculate your full-time employees versus part-time employees? When do you decide to bring employees back? You know, all these kind of kind of considerations that business owners have never had to deal with before. Right. And they're like, oh, no, what do I do now? And so that's what our webinars have been. A lot of that, lot of that going around. <laughs> so we've been having oh, – no. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's been really good. Okay. So – um, you've got this thing called the uh, proprietary technology epicenter. What is that? Yeah, so that is the system that I was, I was talking about earlier. That's our great technology that we oh, okay. we made yeah. the decision. And it's our HRIS system, um, which holds our all, all the employee information, uh, we, the payroll support, and, and all these different activities. It's something that we decided many years ago to build in, instead of buy. Um, but it really just gives us – uh, a great resource for our clients. Okay, so yeah. the, so all their data is protected, and they get good yeah good reports and all that from that, that comes from Epicenter. Yeah, and for yeah. Our, and for our employers, it, it's it's a one stop shop. It's it's a one system of record, one version of the truth um, for all of their onboarding, their benefits enrollments, their employee files. I mean, if you're if you're still keeping your employee files in a file under your your desk, then you're real outdated, and you need to update your your yeah. HR procedures. Yes, I imagine. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a place that em- employers can store all this information, can do their time and attendance, their PTO, um, all under one roof. Okay. Yeah. And I want to go back to something you said a, a, a few minutes ago. Joe, you talked about the fact that, uh, you know, that Adams Keegan may not be the right PEO for you, but there is a PEO for you mm-hmm. somewhere. And, and, and uh, I know that you've got some really huge competitors out there. Yeah. How, how does Adam Keegan fit? How do you how do you win? How do you compete? Where, where's your best niche? Yeah, so I would say our our niche is you you kind of look at um, as employee as in, as companies grow. You you at each those hurt these hurdle rates. Once you get to twenty employees, you have to start worrying about Cobra. Once you get to fifty, you have to start worrying about ACA reporting FMLA. Each, each one of these hurdles creates more and more responsibilities for your staff. And so you have to consider um, the cost of – either you, you have to hire somebody, a, a new HR director that costs $80,000 a year, um, or you look at maybe outsourcing those activities uh, to a PEO that can handle those activities, and then you maybe hire uh, just an HR generalist to just be the liaison. So there's a lot of different options that, that companies have that – um, I think if they just ask the right questions and look the right places, they can really take the, the administrative nightmares, the wage garnishments, these unemployment, all these things are just, not, I mean, nobody went into business because they wanted to deal with, with payroll and benefits and wage garnishments. But it's a reality of a, of, of a business, and it's a vitally important part of it to, for your employee culture. Yes. And one other thing is we give HR people the ability to focus on the culture of a company an HR person's the average person spends about 80% of their time on paperwork Ugh. and so we take that off their hands and so they're able to spend more time on culture coaching career development career pathing those type of things that are really engage your employees helpful stuff instead. yeah yeah that's, that's yeah so I'm sure that uh, your clients are thanking you for taking all the garbage <laughs> stuff so they can focus on the good stuff that's uh, it there you go 
Joe, this is, this is terrific. Thank you for uh, being with us today, talking about Adams Keegan and the help that you give in the HR area for your clients. If, if people, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you can email me. Uh, if you're interested in the webinars, feel free to email me, and yeah. I can shoot you an invite. Um, Joe.Morrison at AdamsKeegan.com. Okay, Joe.Morrison. That's two R's and one S. Two R's and one S. Joe, hold on, let me think about that. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Joe.Morrison at Adams. Keegan and Keegan is K E E G A N dot com. That's it. Right? Okay, excellent. Joe, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Al. This is great stuff. Really, really well thought out stuff that helps businesses to thrive without having to worry about all this legal and HR. And man, what a mess. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. Uh, again, this is Al Simon, your host with, with, uh, with Sandra Training. And the show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. And our third guest today, Brandon Lisi. Welcome, Brandon. Hello. Uh, partner with Object 9. Yes, sir. So that's an interesting name. Yeah. Tell us about Object 9 and what do you do, Brandon? Well, the core part of our business is digital lead generation, for mostly for manufacturing companies. We mm-hmm. tend to work more specifically with those companies that are scaling up. So you know, there's a lot of consultants out there and people that like to work in the startup community, but I'm more aligned and more appropriate for those folks that are really ready to scale up okay and a lot of people aren't really ready to scale up so so, so stephanie gets them ready group. and yes. then you take them from there and then and, and along the way joe handles all their hr stuff <laughs> yes I, right, do, we, I definitely don't do that okay, well, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> or try to try to navigate the ppp paperwork that's right, for sure i got yeah. other people that do that my goodness yeah i'm glad there's people that do that all right so tell us about your clients what, what does that look like well, generally it's a mix. As I said, we do digital lead generation primarily for manufacturing companies. Okay. Um, so we have people that make robots and blasting equipment and medical catheters and whatnot. So it's typically focused on clients that have a unique, niche B2B kind of play. It's yeah. not necessarily consumer marketing stuff. Did that for a big chunk of my career. Did Applied you? those experiences and those skill sets to more of a niche business market because it's more interesting. Uh, primarily, and uh, it's more engaging intellectually. Uh, so most of our clients have sales teams that are looking to get more qualified leads, and they really just don't know how to compete on the Internet. And they don't have yeah. the skills. They don't have the technology stack. They don't have the knowledge how to make it all work together. What's, a, te- what's a technology stack? So a modern marketing technology stack is comprised of about five different elements. Okay. Right? So the top layer of the technology stack are all the inbound channels, right? So paid search, paid social, so Google, Facebook, gotcha. Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever it might be, display advertising. It's all the things that are outside your company where you spend money to drive people to your website, which is the second layer of the technology stack. That next layer, your website, is connected to a marketing automation platform or a system that captures names and phone numbers and emails. Yes, okay. And routes that information into a CRM, which is another part of that stack. Okay. And then communicates with those people through email communications. Hey, thank you for your information, blah, 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 blah. And you migrate them into some kind of database okay, to talk Okay, so it's with the them. information flow through yep. systems is what right. you're talking about. So you have inbound, you have your yeah. website, you've got your marketing automation and email solution, you've got your CRM where you database where you house all this stuff, and then yeah. you have all the analytics packages to, to let you know how you're doing across all those different layers. And to write the content, to design the content, to build the content, to deploy all the ads and 
track it all and manage it all, you need a lot of different people. Yes. And the vast majority of small companies, I would say all small companies and most mid-sized companies, say up to a couple hundred million in sales, just don't have the ability to hire and manage all those people that they need to execute that. And so we bring in a team that provides a fraction of their time, effort, and energy for each client to execute. Excellent. Okay. That's what we do. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for putting it in layman's terms that someone like me can actually understand. <laughs> That's great. Now, and so you work really in that in the whole sales and marketing area, but there's a big difference between sales and marketing, isn't there? Or is it getting blurred? No, it's there's a huge difference. So marketing's job is to figure out or the function of marketing is to figure out what differentiates your company. Right from your competitors okay, and articulate that in a way that's meaningful and relevant to the people you're talking to. It's the job of the salespeople to deliver that message through the sales channel. It's the job of the advertising people to deliver it through the advertising channels. And it's the job of the public relations people to communicate it through PR channels. So sales, public relations, advertising are channels through which that marketing message is delivered. So marketing, you know, to me, if you look at an org chart, marketing sits at the top, right? That's, that's why the marketing director usually, in a, in a well-run organization, has sales, advertising, and public relations kind of feeding into it. Because it's really messaging, isn't it? It's really getting the word out. Yeah. And it's, it's understanding what you should be selling. You know, yes. a great way. I, I described this to one person. I said, you know, it doesn't matter if you make the best green crayons on the planet. Everybody wants to draw fire engines. They're not going to buy it. So you, you know, part of marketing's job is to research what's going on, what do people want? Because marketing 101 has not changed since people got together in the marketplace, <laughs> and that is find a need and fill it. That's it. That's it. That's what it comes down yeah. to. And if you can't yeah. figure out what the need is, you're never going to be able to fill it. Yeah. And the whole build it and they will come kind of thing, that's why so many businesses fail, is they're not really looking at what the customers want. And that's what the job of marketing is to do. And that's is what Stephanie was talking about a while ago. Absolutely. I mean, you can't, I mean just a great idea is not enough. It's got to have an actual place to, to where it can thrive. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, all the systems and processes and structures and everything else, there's armies of consultants and resources and people out there to help you do that. Or you could buy it by buying into a franchise, which is another thing that we, are, we do a lot with people. But it's really about trying to figure out how do I add value to customers' lives and then – get that message out and yeah. uh, sales is definitely an important way of doing that yeah. um, but my typical role is more getting the word out over the internet is right it? it's okay. it's digital marketing so how do i spread the word to customers in a very cost effective and efficient way now is, is that changing at all or the or the what or what your always. what your clients oh yeah well yeah, I guess that's kind of a dumb question <laughs> yeah. but especially in, the, in 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 light of the covid pandemic what's different for you anything not different markets different customers for different kinds of customers right are, yeah. are buying or i should say different customers for different clients right their buying patterns are changing right now because of risk Right, um, because we're in manufacturing, some of our niches in manufacturing, uh, actually across the board, all of our clients are doing quite well. Are they? Uh, and it's not, you know, because of what we're doing from a marketing perspective. Is that just they happen to be in businesses where, you know, the the industry impact hasn't been as strong as it is in others areas. So some of that is just good fortune, but the mechanisms haven't really changed. 
but the customer behaviors are changing. And the reality is the customer's behaviors are always changing, right? Whether it was the dot-com bubble busting or the 2008, 2009 financial crisis, as different companies move in and out of different risk profiles, so to speak, their behavior changes. Uh, that's yes. why American savings is up, right? Everybody's holding on to their money because they, they're not sure what to do. That's the majority, right? But in that big minority of people, they're going, hey, here's a time for opportunity. Here's a time to spend. And right. most of our clients have actually increased their spend because some of their competitors don't have the advantages that we've given them from a digital perspective. And so now they're actually able to get more share of eyeballs okay. and drive more leads. So the strategy hasn't really pivoted so much as it's increased in many cases in terms of intensity into their market. Yeah, sometimes it's just a matter of spending a little bit more and also spending it in a few other areas. And some people want to, you know, not everybody. I mean, I always say, unless you're the Department of Defense or you're Google, you don't have as much money as you want to spend, right? You're the only (laughs) two people that seem to have unlimited budgets. So you're always trying to figure out where's the best place to spend my money now. And, you know, that's part of the marketing plan, right? This is where yes. we're, we're going to hedge our bets and say this is where we're going to go. But there's always part of your budget should be spent on experimentation. Like, well, let's try these things. And so what I'm what I'm seeing is that people are willing to exper- maybe throw a little bit more money in experimenting on some new things that might be working right now or, you know, try different things. Right. Not taking away from what is proven to work, but maybe reallocating money. Okay. So, you know, it... it Again, I've been fortunate that I don't have a lot of clients that are in crisis mode. Yes. Um, so I can't really speak from experience about that. But I can tell you that most people have been trying to figure out some new options for sure. And that's always – you should be doing that whether COVID had hit or not. Yeah. And uh, that's another reason it's good to hire people like Stephanie or an Object Nine or someone else you trust because – you need somebody who's paying attention to those customers and all those channels and that first stack, right? All the digital inbound options that are out there because yeah. it is in flux all the time. There's new things coming in and successful things going away. And, you know, then you're keeping track of all that. So not just that first stack, but all of the, yeah, the but, layers below. But there's a tremendous yeah. amount of flux in that first stack, right? All the digital channels. Yeah. I mean, you know, in 2009, MySpace was the biggest thing. It's dead, right? You know, and I never uh, had a MySpace Snapchat, account, Joe. I yeah, want you to know I that. Did. <laughs> in 2016, I was at uh, South by Southwest, and Snapchat was all the thing, right? Yes. Nobody could figure out how to monetize Snapchat, right? And now it's TikTok everybody's talking about. Yes. And Instagram was last year. And so the channels where people's eyes are going are always in flux. And they're in flux based on how old they are. So you got to pay attention to what your customers are doing because in a lot of ways, that's where are they in the market, right? I mean, yeah. that's... They keep moving. They walk get... into the marketplace <laughs> to buy something and you got to, hey, come over here, look at my apples, right? I mean, you got to get in front of them. Right. And that's what the digital marketing really lets you do is get in front of those customers where they are. And it's not static. And if there's anything that I think people make the mistake of doing is that they are afraid to move away from what is working yes. and experiment to find other things that might work better and not be afraid to fail. Cause sometimes, you know, not everything we do works perfectly. You, you try it. That's like what Stephanie and I were talking about before, you know, you, if, if failing yeah. is how you learn in many cases. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But, so, but you gotta, you gotta have, you know, you gotta take, take advantage of 
knowledge base like what you bring to the table so mm -hmm. that the risk isn't too great which is good that you're keeping track of all these yeah these these trends and you mentioned a while ago brandon that you also work with franchise brands i do what's the biggest challenges of you know, franchising today well that depends on what sector of franchising you're in right yeah um I think the, the biggest, uh, we tend to work with franchise brands that are trying to, again, scale up, right? So we're not mm -hmm. working with an Arby's or a Wendy's or a Focus Brands portfolio where there's hundreds of locations. We tend right. to work with those franchise brands that have 30 to maybe 75. They're an emerging franchise, uh, 30 to 75 franchisees, right? Or 30 to 75 locations, somewhere in that area. They're really trying to figure out how to scale up, and they're putting, they're trying to figure out how to put the systems and processes and manage all the people. I think in, in the world of franchising, the, the biggest challenge is, continues to be getting the people in the franchise that have the right cultural, financial, and operational mindset to adhere to the brand. Cultural, financial, and operational. Yeah, the, that's really what okay. we spend a lot of time doing with candidates is ensuring that they're a cultural, financial, and operational fit. Um, you know, some people are, we use the word entrepreneur a lot. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things in, that I found through being a member of the Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a peer group of, of business owners, is that most of them tend to be kind of innovators, right? They, they, like I, I, one of I've the reasons that too, yeah. Yeah, they, they're, they're always yeah. trying to find a different way. One of the reasons I started my business at 26 is I realized I am a terrible employee. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm damn near unemployable. And, and part of that is because I just don't want to follow the, the process. I, I'm always trying to you're, figure you're, out. You're a tinkerer. Yeah. yeah. And, and an inveterate yeah. tinkerer, right? And that's yeah. wonderful if you own your own business and people will pay you to do it. But when you are in a big corporation and they want you to follow the rules. Yeah, I'm it doesn't a, work so well. Oh, yeah. and the only reason I ever got by with it is I was always in sales and I blew my numbers out. But I never followed the rules. Oh, I, no, you know, you're and, one of those. Yeah. Oh. So in a franchise environment, if you get somebody who's really entrepreneurial, it can almost be very disruptive to the franchise brand because, like, well, look, we have a system. We have a process. Yeah. We want you to follow the rules. Bull in a china shop comes to mind. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there's a balance in terms of finding people who have a desire and an ability to stomach risk. Right? Because ultimately yes. they're going to write a check and they're going to take a risk at this business. Yes. But also be willing on the other side to follow the rules and adhere to the principles that are set forth by the franchise. And when a lot of franchise brands grow, you know, especially when they're very young in the first dozen or so, they're willing to take, you know, it's, it's a much bigger risk because it's not an established franchise. So you get people who are a little more entrepreneurial. And then as you grow, you've got to kind of rein those cats yes, in, you do. into a yeah. certain corral or a certain direction, and I think they really struggle with that. And so yeah. some of the people in my group work with the franchise brands to kind of get that operational piece squared away. My primarily, my primarily, excuse me, my role is primarily working to bring the entrepreneurs in or the, the franchisees into the group. But I can see that's, that's a constant struggle, Yeah, getting that culture right. So if it's, if it's not a cultural fit, I mean, you're okay telling the person. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th but there might be another one that is. So yeah. I'll, I'll give you a good example. One of the franchises that we work with uh, is a window cleaning and holiday lighting franchise. Window cleaning and holiday lighting. Okay. Right. 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 So there is no way that my wife, who is an artist, 
would ever get up on a ladder and clean someone's house. She would be miserable doing that. Even though the business is a good financial model and you could be very profitable, she would never spend her life cleaning people's houses because it's not creative. It's not that it's beneath her. It's just like, that's not what I want to be doing. Right. She get bored quickly. She would go out of her mind doing repetitive tasks. Yes. And I would be terrible at it too because I can't follow repetitive tasks. I'm almost pathologically <laughs> unable to do that. So, you know, you've got to find something that you can do. Stephanie talked about, you know, janitorial people wanting to do restaurants. Mm-hmm. Do you have the desire to engage with customers and talk with people and, you know, and manage the food and the quality and manage the staff? And are you a people person or do you really like going in after hours and cleaning an office? Two different people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there might be a desire to do those other things, but that's a different cultural environment, right? And it so is. you, beyond the money in which everybody focuses on, is like you got to make sure that there's a cultural alignment there um, or it's, it's going to fail. Brandon, your expertise can help a lot of people. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate that. Now, our listeners are going to want to contact you as well. What's the best way to do that? Uh, you can find me at LinkedIn. Brandon Lisi uh, is available on LinkedIn. It's B-R-A-N-D-E-N, last name L-I-S-I. Or you can email me at Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, at object9.com. And, object, and, the, and the nine is the, the number nine, yeah. right? So Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-E-N, at object9.com. That's it. Or Brandon Lisi on LinkedIn. That's it. L-I-S-I. Yes, sir. Thanks for joining us, Brandon. Thanks Joe, for having it's me. Been great. Absolutely. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks, Al. Stephanie. You were great. Thanks for making this a wonderful show. Thank you. So, as as usual, we're gonna we're gonna end today's show on uh, Simon says, "Let's talk business" on Business Radio X with uh, with a sales tip and uh, questions that come in from listeners. And the the question that I've chosen to address today is is one that I get a lot. Here's the question, Al: What is the best closing method to get a customer to have to take immediate action today? What's the best closing method to get someone to take action today? And I'm, I'm glad this, this uh, particular uh, listener uh, phrased it that way, taking action. That's what closing deals is. It's, it's, it's getting people to take action. And, and to answer the question, I, I can tell you this. What, what we're not going to suggest you do is do a massive feature and benefit dump followed by the hard sell close. Okay? Let's not do that. On the other hand, let's also not be the wimpy, well, I look forward to hearing back from you, which is maybe even worse. So no, don't do those two things. Let's, instead, th- there's this thing that we call pain in the sales world, and, the, and a, a sales professional's job is to find pain. What is pain? Well, pain is more than need. You hear that word a lot in sales, need. But need is very intellectual. Pain is much more emotional, and psychologists tell us that people buy emotionally that's how they make decisions. That's how they take action to the, to the listener's question here. They take action based on emotions. Emotions are much more powerful than intellectual reasoning. However, when people make decisions, according to psychologists, they, they buy emotionally, then, then they justify their decisions intellectually on the back end of that. So we have to pay attention to both parts of that uh, equation. So once you've uh, discovered or helped a prospect to discover that they have this emotional pain uh, that's going to uh, get them to want to take action, then your job is to gently guide them through this process. And the process is called, here you go, ready? S-V-I-C. S-V-I-C. The S stands for 
summarize. Your job, first of all, is to summarize the pain that you heard the prospect describe. So the scenarios that they're describing, the, the, the objectives they're describing, the, the, the situation that they've just got to get away from that they described, and the emotion that goes with it. You summarize that. And then you validate, that's the V, validate that this is the kind of stuff that you do and you do it well. But that don't make a big deal of it, just make one sentence there. And then the I is important. How important is this to you uh, in terms of your, of your priorities at, at the moment? And then lastly, the C, which is are you committed to taking action in the short term? So, Joe, would you do this with me? You be my prospect? Sure. All you got to do is say yes. Okay. Yeah. All, right, all right, here we go. So, Joe, let me make sure I've got this straight, okay? What you were trying to describe to me is that you've got the situation where you've got downtime uh, on, on one of your manufacturing lines, right? I mean, it's just you've got, you got, you got machines that keep going down and downtime, and it, it's, it's causing you delays in shipments and, and, and cost overruns. It's never-ending. Driving you crazy. Absolutely. Right? And you've told me that, uh, that, that the biggest thing is that you just haven't been able to get home in time to put the kids to bed in three weeks. <laughs> That's I mean, right. I mean, did I get that right? Yes, sir. So we got to fix this, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Joe, I got to tell you, this is the kind of thing we do, and, and we're good at it. Please, any help is much needed. I appreciate that. But you know, I, I got to know this, Joe. Uh, in the grand scheme of all the things that are on your plate right now that you're working on, how important is fixing that line to you? It's it's a matter of life and death. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, Joe. I hear that a lot. I really do. But I, but not everybody tells me that it's really important. Their top priority is also committed to taking action in the short term. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me that, that this is important enough for you to take action, to be committed to taking action in the short term with me or someone like me? Are you well, telling me that? well I'm, I'm a Southern guy, so I sugarcoat things often. So I might tell you yes and then walk out the door and so it'd be a different story. But if I was from the North, I would just tell you right away, yes or no, whether I need you or not. Okay, so which part of the country are you from, Joe? The South. Okay, so, <laughs> so you're telling me you might change your mind any moment that, now. That's correct. Okay, well, i got to ask you. you know, it, it, If you're telling me that you just might be committed to taking action in the short term with me or someone like me, what do you want me to do now? Make it happen. Okay, so that's, now that's a key point right there. So you do the SBIC. Again, this is after you've discovered pain, and there's definitely an emotion. If there's no emotion, no pain, then you're done. You can't close. Uh, but once you've done that, Thanks for playing it out with me, Joe. Sure. Appreciate that. And then to do the SBIC, summarize the pain, validate this is what you do and you do it well. Uh, make sure it's important and, and top priority for your prospect, and then uh, ask them if they're committed to taking action in the short term with you or someone like you. And then at some point shortly after that discussion that ensues, say, what do you want me to do now? That's it. Then nothing else. Don't be creative with this i'm sorry brandon don't be creative with this <laughs> you gotta do this stick and, to the playbook right st- well you know what the, the, there's lots of room to maneuver within the playbook you know to ad lib and, and uh within that but uh but the, the the point is gently guide your prospect into that emotional decision place and then gently ask them if they're ready to commit yeah and in some kind of action and that's the way to do it so that's the, my sales tip for today best closing method to get a customer to have to take immediate action uh today and that's uh that's a wrap on simon says let's talk business on business radio x uh, stephanie sokinis with small business ally joe morrison with adams keegan brandon lisi with object nine thank you thank you all so much for being with us great show today listeners take action on these three experts good selling mm-hmm.